heart whole again Here I stand high and surrender I need you now Hold my heart now and forever my soul cries out once I was broken speaks to you today says my grace holds you now you are safe in my hands now my grace holds you now you are no longer forgotten because you are right here in my heart my grace holds you now hallelujah Lord thank you Jesus here I stand here I stand high and surrender I need you now 
Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you.
one more time for the name of Jesus the powerful name the name above every other name the name the righteous run to and are saved the name to which every knee must bow the name that's above sickness the name that's above anxiety that powerful name of Jesus the name that's above the trouble going on in your home, the name that's above the problems in your marriage, the name that's above whatever's going on with your kids, the name of Jesus. There's something powerful when, that happens when we just start to say, God, you're above it all. You're the name above all names. You're Jesus. You're my redemption. You're my salvation. God, what nothing else in the world will do, I'm calling upon the name of Jesus. The Bible says when we call upon his name, we're saved. Do you have things in your life this morning that you need to be saved from? Do you have things that maybe you feel stuck in that I want to encourage you, even as the band plays, that we can take just a moment to lift up our voice, to lift up our hands, to call upon that powerful name for whatever's going on in your own life, whatever's going on in your friend's life. Can we call upon the name of the Lord on that powerful name? I believe something happens. The atmosphere shifts as we just lift the name of Jesus above everything else. And we're just going to let the band play. And I want you to call upon that powerful, powerful name.
Lord, we lift your name up this morning. God, we thank you that you are a shelter that the righteous can run to. So we run to your name this morning. God, we say when nothing else will do, when nothing else in the world has anything to offer us, God, we run to your name. We run and we thank you that we're safe, that there's safety in your name. So this morning, God, we just lift your name above everything else. We lift your name above every distraction we have. We lift your name above every anxiety we God, we just lift your name in this place and believe that when you are lifted up, everything else falls into place. Everything else must bow. Every anxiety must bow. Every worry must bow. Every sickness must bow. Every problem must bow to the name of Jesus. So we lift your name up, King Jesus. We honor you in this place. We give you glory in this place, God. And we look forward to just the testimonies of what happens, God, as we place you first and foremost and we give you all the glory in jesus name everybody said amen say hello to a few people while you sit down and we're gonna get welcome pastor malachi How are you guys doing this morning? My name is Malachi. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at uh, KCC. No, it's all good. Thank you, Brian. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at KCC. If you don't know me, uh, I'm excited to share with you this morning and continue our series on Too Good to Be True. Have you guys been enjoying uh, this Too Good to Be True series that Pastor Brody's been taking us through? Um, We've been talking a lot about uh, our doctrine and theology, and uh, really what doctrine is is just what we base our beliefs on, and, and we base our beliefs on the teachings of Jesus, amen? And so I'm excited to talk to you guys this morning. Uh, we've we've kind of covered a few topics. Uh, we've talked about the power of sin and, and the power of salvation that actually conquered sin. Pastor Dave spoke about that. Uh, we talked about redemption. And we talked about how Jesus came in to the, to the slave market and he pulled us out and he pulled us in and set us into a place where everything that we had lost, we get to gain back because of, because of Jesus and what he did for us. And then Pastor Brody sp- spoke a lot about unity and that was just a fire message. That was amazing uh, about how we are better together. And then last week, uh, Pastor Brody spoke another amazing word. I've just been so uh, excited to be in the church that we have like an, an amazing lead pastor that just, he really does hear from God, and uh, i just so excited about this topic, and he, he talked about uh, God using our, our brokenness for blessing, and it was such a, it was such an introspective word that just kind of changed uh, even my perspective, and this morning I want to kind of tag on to that, uh, that idea, not, not the exact same message, because that would be uh, weird and kind of awkward, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to basically follow after uh, this story that, that he spoke about in Matthew 14. Matthew 14, 22, in the New King James. We're just going to kind of jump right into it. And, uh, and the story of, of how Jesus, he was, he was going away to pray. He was going away to be secluded. Uh, and and what, what had happened and, and why he was doing this was that he actually lost one of his good friends. Uh, John the Baptist was basically, he was executed by King Herod. And, uh, and Jesus was going away to essentially mourn. He was essentially going away to, to kind of get away from everything and just have a moment with him and his father. 
father, and as he's going away, all of a sudden some people, some people recognize him, and they're like, hey, that's Jesus, and they, and they start crowding around him, and then thousands and thousands of people start going around Jesus, and, and he's just trying to mourn. And, and what Jesus could have done is just been like, no, like, guys, I, just, I need a minute. I just need a minute, but instead he had compassion and he started teaching this 5,000 plus group of people and then uh, he, he taught all day essentially and then uh, at one point they started to get hungry and the disciples came up to him and was like, yo, like these people are getting really, really hungry. You've been talking all day. It's been like one of those old style church services that went for like five hours. Come on, like we need to feed them some lunch. Like can we send them away because we don't have any money. First of all, we don't really have any, any food. And so Jesus tells them, he's like, well, what do we have? And, uh, and this is kind of what Pastor Brody spoke about last week about using our not enough. And, and Jesus took the not enough, the, the basket of lunch that the little boy had uh, that was not enough to feed 5,000 plus people, and he, and he turned it into having enough and more than enough. And they actually had some left over, it says. And so this is where I want to jump into is right after this miracle taking place in Matthew 22. Are you guys ready? Some of you are. That's okay. We'll get there. Um, so in, in Matthew 22, or 14, 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples go into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So, and when he sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And so he finally gets this alone time that he's been seeking, right? And so, and it, and it says, while he was alone there, the boat was in the middle of the sea being tossed by waves and, and the wind was contrary, which is to say that the waves and the wind was just kind of, it was a bit stormy, Okay. And now the fourth watch of the night, uh, and now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea, which people don't usually do. Uh, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, and they, they cried out in fear, it's a ghost. And they were, started to scream, uh, not like little girls, because that's kind of offensive, but they started to, to get ex like terrified, because there's a dude walking on the water. And, and people don't do that, so they, they just thought, oh, it's a ghost, for sure. And then immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, hey, be of good cheer, it is I. Don't be afraid. Like, I don't think that would help me. <laughs> be of good cheer. It is I. Don't be afraid. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out onto the water to you. And, and so Jesus is like, all right, man, like, come out to the water. And, and Peter steps out of the boat. He walks on water to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, what a word, uh, he was afraid. And he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? And, and he brought Peter back to the boat, and as soon as they got back in the boat, the wind ceased. And then uh, those who were in the boat became and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And then they reached their, their destination. They, they crossed over. And, and then when they got to that place, they got to the place that I can't pronounce. Um, <laughs> when, when these men of this, this little town recognized Jesus, they started swarming him again. And he, they began to bring all who were in the region who were sick and said, and then uh, they begged him that they might touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. And the, the title of this message I want to I speak to you guys this morning is, is called head, From Head to Toe. Could you guys say it with me? From Head? From Head to Toe. And I want to talk about this idea, uh, and it's, it's, it's a, rather, <laughs> it's a lot, rather large idea, uh, and, I, and I don't think I can cover every, every base of it, but I want to just kind of simplify it this morning. I want to talk about grace this morning. 
And, uh, and I want to give you guys a definition to start with, and we're going to pray. The definition of grace is this. Grace is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God. Would you guys say that with me? The unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God. And in other words, uh, this is a very Christianese way to say it, uh, but the gift of righteousness through the person of Jesus from head to toe. Can we pray together? Father God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you so much for this time of uh, just lifting up your name and God lifting our eyes to you and lifting our, our, our voices to you, God making you great this morning. So God, we just ask that you would just soften our hearts this morning to receive uh, what you want to speak to us, God, that this morning we would grow in community as well as closer to you. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say amen. 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 How, many of you, uh, how many of you grew up with like, like a family tradition? Anybody? Like you, your family had a tradition. Maybe you, uh, maybe you go on a trip every year together. Uh, I know it's family day weekend. You're probably thinking about, well, what are we going to do on family? Do we go on a hike? Or uh, maybe, you, maybe you go to lunch after, after church today, and that's like your little family tradition. Or you're like the really weird families uh, that I'm super jealous of when I was a kid that opened their Christmas, on, Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. Did anybody in this place? Yeah? The other weird families. I, I wish I was like you because I remember as a kid I was really uh, impatient and my, my parents were trying to teach me patience by making me wait. Uh, but now that I'm older, I get to choose what I do. So that, they couldn't stop me. In my, in my family, um, we had this tradition. We had this tradition, and it sounds kind of silly coming out of my mouth today, but we, we had this tradition. It was called Bowling Sunday. Bowling Sunday. Anybody, anybody bowl? Anybody like a pro bowler here? You got a few? Like Anyone actually like good at bowling? No one wants to admit that. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> I'm absolutely terrible at bowling, but I, I remember uh, it was once a month. Once a month, we would, me and my family, we would go bowling, and we called it Bowling Sunday. It was the best thing ever. Uh, I was about 11 or 12 at this time in this story. And so Bowling Sunday came around, and, uh, and we, we would usually, we would sometimes go with another family, and uh, the family we'd usually go with was the Berendrats, the Berendrat family, uh, and they were, they were just awesome, they were just awesome family. So we go to church, we go to church, church comes around, and, uh, and then church ends at like after five hours, no, just kidding, but did anybody grow up in a church that was like really, really long, like really long services, like more than two hours? And by the end of it, by the end of it, you could eat anything. Like, you were so hungry. It was like you fasted that morning. It was like a forced fast. Like, when communion came around, I remember as kids, they would, they would have the communion out at the, at, the front of the, at the front of the church at the end of the service, and, and me and my friends, we would be, like, doing shots of communion, and we would, like, rip the bread apart and just be, like, hunkering it down until we got to go eat. And so, yeah. <laughs> This is how I grew up. So church, church ends, right? Church ends after at like two o'clock, uh, sometimes three. Uh, and uh, and so we go, we go over to the Berendrats for lunch. And I, I, the Berendrat family was my favorite family to hang out with as a kid. Um, not only because my sister would leave me alone because I had a daughter about her same age, and so they they wouldn't bug me. They would just go watch like Black Beauty or something. Did anybody ever watch that movie? Uh, that's a throwback. Um, I hated that movie. Uh, <laughs> But, but better, uh, a better part of it was going to the Baron Drafts. My sister would leave me alone. Um, but they had a son named Adrian. And now Adrian, Adrian, I thought he was really, really cool because he was, he was obviously, he was a bit older than me. Uh, he always had like the funniest jokes and he was a bit of like a wild card. 
And so I got to do things with him, and we got to do, we would usually get into trouble, but, like, I got to do things that I didn't get to do at home, right? Like, set off explosives and, like, burn little stuffed animals, and that's kind of what got me. You guys heard about my, my incident where I set my lawn on fire and, and all those things. So that's where that all started. So you can thank Adrian. And, uh, and I don't know if you ever watched Toy Story, and this is kind of what you could equate him to, uh, that he was like the, the, the Sid, yeah, Sid from, the, from Toy Story. He was a little bit nicer, he wasn't as evil. Uh, but anyways, Adrian was awesome. So we, we had lunch at the Berendratz, right? You guys are gonna be wondering where this is going, but I'll get there. Uh, we had lunch at the Berendratz, and, uh, and lunch was done. The parents were just doing the parent thing where they hang out and they drink coffee and all the boring stuff that I like to do now. Uh, and the sisters were, of course, watching Black Beauty. And, uh, and so Adrian's like, hey, let's go, let's go. Like, I got an idea. And so usually when Adrian had an idea, it usually ended up with uh, both of us being grounded by the end of it. And, uh, and so, but I didn't care because he was just way too cool. So I just always went along with whatever Adrian wanted to do. So Adrian says, hey, uh, there's this big field down the road. We should go, we should go take, we should go take some like toys and we'll like tie like strings around their necks and we'll just like run around and drag them around. What do you think? And I'm like, what an idea. Right? Like, what are we waiting for? <laughs> Every guy's dream to do this, right? So we, we go down to this field, we walk down to the field, and uh, I got these like big gumboots on. And, uh, and we get down to the field, and what Adrian didn't really tell me was this whole field was just like, like a mud pit. Okay, so if you understand where I grew up, I grew up in Smithers. Smithers was literally built on a swamp. And, uh, and so this was like a really marshy area. And so what they, they'd been actually developing this field. And so over the winter, it froze. And then in the springtime, which this is what, when it was, it all had melted. And if you've ever seen like that kind of scene, it's just like mud is just everywhere. The whole field is just mud. And I remember just like getting to the, getting to the field and being like hesitant, right? And I was like, well, I don't know about this, Adrian. Like, should we, should we do this? And he's like, well, wh why are you so hesitant? What, what do you mean? Like, let's do this. This is going to be awesome. We're going to torture some toys. And so uh, I didn't need counseling after this at all. Uh, but we were standing at the field, and I looked down. And I was like, well, my mom, my mom just bought me these new pants. And, uh, and they're my church pants. And, and she'll, she'll end my life if I get them dirty. And he's like, oh, it's fine. You got, you got gumboots on. We'll be fine. It's not that bad. It's not, and I was like, okay, you know, okay. And so we're like, so we're stomping around. We're like running around like, hey, 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 like dragging, like dragging, like this is weird. We're dragging these toys by a string in the mud and we're laughing. And for some reason, this is fun. Like, I don't, I don't remember why, but I feel like guys are just that simple. And, uh, but I remember just like, this is the best. Adrian's the best. And I took a step and my foot just like sunk. Yeah. That's the noise I made. <laughs> and, I, and I sunk into the mud, and then I was like, oh, no. Like, and, and this fear hit me, uh, and fear of my mother. And so I, I, go to like, I go to, like, pull myself out, and my other foot gets stuck. And so I'm standing in the middle of this mud field, just up to my, like, ankles, like, just a little bit past my ankles in mud. And I'm like, bro! you got to help me. And Adrian's like laughing, right, of course. And he comes like trucking over. He's a little bit bigger than me, so he could, he could get through the mud a little bit better. And so he starts, he starts trying to pull me out. He takes me by the hands, and he's like pulling. We're like, Aah! like pulling, right? And, and all of a sudden, he's getting stuck. So as he's pulling, his feet are sinking in, and I actually come flying out of my boots. And so in, I'm in the middle of the air, and I land face first in this mud, 
and my whole body, my whole body is covered from head to toe in mud. And we, in the moment, we're like laughing. Like it was like that gut busting laugh where you could not stop laughing. Adrian falls over. He's rolling in the mud. He's like, well, you're doing it. I'll do it. And, uh, and so like, I'm like, we're just laughing. And I'm like, I'm like, this is disgusting. Like if I ever did, like, I would never do that in these shoes. Uh, that would suck. But like I was covered from head to toe in mud. And I remember laughing. And then all of a sudden I stopped laughing because I remembered that my mom, I think one of the things she said to me is like, don't do anything stupid today. Uh, and, and I remember just like that replaying, I'm like, I'm dead. Like my life is my, all my freedoms. And I was thinking about like, as we, we crawled out of the mud, eventually got the boots out. And I was like walking through the mud in socks. Like if, it's pretty disgusting to, to visualize. I, I think about it now and I don't like it. Um, but I remember walking back to the house. It was like the walk of shame. It was like the longest walk of my life. And I remember uh, like just the feeling and the, the thoughts that were going through my head was like, my mom is going to destroy my life. Like she is going to be so mad at me. And on top of that, I think we're actually late. And I remember coming around the corner of, of the road and, and I saw on the, on the porch my mom was actually standing there. So to make matters worse, she's actually looking for me now. It's not me coming in and trying to like somehow like maybe steal some of Adrian's clothes that it would have been way too big for me. But like she's standing on the porch because at this point we were actually late and they were actually waiting for everyone's in the car. So there's, there's two families waiting for us. Everybody's in the car and my mom's looking at me and she makes eye contact and her face goes from like concern to like and she says two words. She says, car, now. <laughs> I'm like, see, Adrian, <laughs> I'm going to go die now. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I actually don't remember like, what they did, if they like, stuck towels in the car. But I remember, I think that was the last time I got to go to the Baron Dratz for lunch. And on top of that, I ruined bowling Sunday. I ruined bowling Sunday. Sad days. Um, but this story, this story just kind of reminded me of, and some of you might think it's silly, but this story just kind of reminded me, like, of me, you know, disappointing my mom and disappointing our entire ruining bowling Sunday. Like, how dare you? Ruining my church clothes, right? My brand new, like, these pants were terrible, but they were, they were new, and so my mom really, you know, she never buys clothes for me anymore because I'm really picky. But this whole story and me walking back to my, to my mom with kind of like this like terrified feeling is, is kind of, it kind of reminded me of how sometimes we often approach God with our mess. When we're walking down that kind of road towards him and we're like, man, he's going to be so mad at me. I can't believe I'm walking. I, I should just run away. And we, we, we approach God with this kind of fear of disappointment or fear of punishment Maybe, um, like, we, we, I, think we, I think we could all say that we've messed up. Like, everyone in this room has probably, at some point in your life, made a mistake. Maybe this morning, and if, if you say that, oh, I'm perfect, then we don't, like, you're lying. So that's, that's a mistake. So, right? Like, everybody's made a mistake to some degree, right? We all have fallen short of the glory. We've all sinned, right? So everyone, everyone in this room is on the same page. We've all made a mistake, 
right? And whatever that mistake is, maybe, uh, maybe you're like me and, uh, and you have like this little road rage fit and you just can't stand the, the, the Kelowna traffic and you just like lose it one day. Or maybe one day you, you know, you have a, a fight with your spouse or a friend and you say some things that you didn't really mean. Or maybe, maybe you just lost control one day and you just got really mad at your kids and you just feel terrible after. Or, or maybe, maybe you've come out of something and, and in that past, that past that you've come out of, that old life has is, is like clinging to you and, and it's really hard to get away and sometimes we find ourselves going back to those places or maybe maybe you're you swore last week maybe you uh, even deeper than that maybe you even looked at that website again maybe it's that's that old life pulling you back or maybe maybe you're here today and you're like you have no joy in your life because you're just stuck in this comparison game Right, where you're just comparing your lives to other people's lives and what you don't have, they have, and, and all the joy just gets sucked out of your life. Or maybe you're, maybe you're sitting here and you feel like, man, I've been betrayed, and I don't trust anybody, and, and maybe you've been recently betrayed, or maybe you're the betrayer. Maybe you're the one who betrayed the friend. Whatever it is across the board, we've all made mistakes. And, and the worst thing happens when we're having a week like that. It's not like we have it every day, but sometimes we just have those like really bad weeks. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where nothing's going right and we have like the worst patience in the world and we're just like, we're just ready to explode. We just can't handle it. Our wife says one thing. We're like, hey, I can't deal with you right now, right? Like we just, we have one of those weeks and those are the weeks that we, we walk into Superstore and we're like, okay, just keep calm. And we see the pastor and we're like, whoop. Like, we don't want to talk to you. Like, we, 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 like, pull our hat down, and we, like, put our hood up. We don't want to make eye contact. And, 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 and we feel like, man, like, the pastor's, like, psychic or something. He knows everything that's going on in my life. If, if he talks to me, he's going he's gonna to know. So I'm going to, like, go down the chip aisle, my favorite aisle. And uh, I'm not going to talk to him. And we get ourselves to Sunday. We get ourselves to church, and we, it's almost like we... We come to God with like this predetermined thought that he's already going to be mad with me. Or we come to God with this predetermined thought that, man, God's, I bet God's disappointed and I missed it this week. I didn't read my Bible or I, you know, I I just messed up this week and and man, I'm coming to you, God, but I just feel like you're just going to be disappointed in me. We come with this like predetermined thought before we even get to God that he's going to be upset with me. We're standing there in our mud-covered church pants, and we're just standing there, and we're like, oh, my God. Like, we're so scared, right? God's going to be, he's going to be so upset with me. I, I, I don't know what to do, right? And we, we come to God like that, I think, a lot, of the, a lot of the time. And I think often we, we get into this, like, mindset from that space. We get into that mindset really, really easy where we think that we need to earn God's approval. And we think that we need to earn God's forgiveness. And we feel like we need to somehow make up what we did or maybe things that we've been dealing with. We somehow think that we have to make it up to God to pay him back somehow. Right? We, I think we often get into this mindset because it's, it's most common with, with our world because and we live in a world where nothing is free. Right? Nothing is free. And if it's free, it's usually a scam. Right? And you, you want to stay, cl- stay clear, though. I've been scammed a few times. It's scary. Same with Talay. Uh, but, but usually nothing, nothing is, f- is really free. 
right? Because whether it's, you know, you're paying for your rent, you're exchanging something. We're always constantly exchanging things. Like we're exchanging things for other things, right? If we're doing like the Facebook swap or whatever, or we're, we're, we're exchanging money for food, we're exchanging money for rent, and then we're exchanging our time for that money, right? We're constantly exchanging things. And when, when we say we like help somebody with something and the, the, the classic thing, man, I'll, I'll get you next time. I owe you. Right? Someone buys you a coffee. I, I'll get you next. I owe you. Like we help someone move. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that when they move, I, I, I owe them. I owe them help. Like we're constantly trying to owe each other something. And we look to God and we think that, man, God's done so much for me. I, I owe him. Like I owe him something. I need to pay him back somehow. And maybe for some of this in this room, maybe getting, like, I don't want to go too deep, but like maybe getting to church today was your way of paying back God for something. Maybe you opening up your Bible is like, man, I just need to get my life back on track and I just, uh, I just need to spend time with you. It's not, it's not a bad thing, but a, the mindset is I need to pay you back somehow, some way. So me getting to church, I feel better about myself. Wow. Now Monday comes and it all starts again. And this is, this is the opposite, and this is where I want to go with this. This is the opposite of what grace is. Okay, this is the opposite of what grace is. And when, when I think about grace in a way, when we, when we start to understand who grace is and what grace sounds like, everything will change. When we begin to start to understand who grace is and what grace sounds like, everything will start to change. It's a mindset. And, uh, and, and first, my first point this morning is grace has a face. Grace has a face. Now, grace is the person of Jesus. Jesus is grace personified. Okay? Jesus is grace personified. Here, let me explain. When we read the New Testament and we, we read about Jesus, we see like his character, and we see these like little acts of grace on how he, he treats people and, and through his teachings. Like we see these little kind of glimpses of, of, of grace. And then until we actually read the whole story, we get to the end of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we see that there is this, this amazing uh, event that takes place. And it's the fullness of grace. It's, it's, it's the greatest act of love to have ever been performed in history of mankind. It's the greatest miracle to be ever performed and, and take place in the history of mankind. Where in 2 Corinthians 5.21, where he who had no sin, he who knew no sin, was made sin. He who had no sin, they're talking about Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin. Dying on a cross for us so that in him, everyone say in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Grace, this is what grace does. Grace made a way for us to become not our own righteousness because we're really good at doing that. We're really good at trying to be good. We're really good at trying to like puff ourselves up and be like, man, I am awesome. And man, the things that I'm doing are making me feel good. And we, we do all these things that like, we're really good at our own righteousness, but that's not what grace does. Grace actually makes it so that we become his righteousness, not mine. I'm, my righteousness is nothing. Grace makes a way for us to become his. 
So that when we, when we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth, that's when the exchange happens. Right? When we, when we take our filthy, mud-covered church pants and we are like, all right, God, like, here's the best I got. Right? We, 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 our best effort to be a good person, right? Our big sin, quote-unquote, big sin. Our little sin, quote-unquote, and everything in between. Right? And he exchanges all of that for his perfect righteousness. Grace takes us from one position, a position where, where we're striving and we're just trying to please God and we're trying to do all these things where we go to church and we read our Bible and those are all good things. I'm not saying they're bad. We pray and we think that, man, oh, I feel good. I prayed today like I'm good. Like it takes us from that position to a position that we didn't earn, a position that we didn't even work for, a position that we didn't have to buy, and a, a position that we didn't even deserve, right? Ephesians 2, 8, 11, is, is for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ. Everyone say, in Christ. This position is, is righteousness. Grace takes us into a position of righteousness. Righteousness means uh, where we're right standing with God, right relationship with God. In other words, like, we are right in his sight. In other words, when, when God sees you, when God sees Pastor Brian, when God sees Blake, when God sees me, he doesn't see necessarily me. He sees his son, Jesus. That's what it means when in Colossians 3.3 it says your, your old life is gone, like your old life is dead, and your new life is found where? In Christ. It's actually, it says hidden in Christ. Right? In Christ. And now as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our sin from us. Right? Grace has a face... And that face is Jesus. And the second point I want to make this morning is grace has a sound. Grace has a sound. And maybe, maybe you've heard this before, uh, maybe in your life, maybe you've been told some of these things before, or maybe this is just a narrative in your head where you think, man, like I got I to gotta clean myself up before I come to church. Or man, like you, you, can't, be, you can't be looking like that, man. Like you got holes in your jeans, like. What's wrong with, you got mud all over your shirt. Like, you got to get your church pants on before you come to church. You got to get, get a haircut before you, you can't come in here looking like that. Or maybe, maybe you've been stuck in a mindset and maybe you, you're in a, in, a, in a circle of friends and you're like, you have that one negative friend and you're like, man, you're too negative. You're, you're just negativity up my space here. Like, I, I don't need you in my life to be, and we, we think like, I can't believe that you would think those thoughts. And this is how we get as Christians. We get a little judgy, okay? I'm gonna, we're going there. And, uh, or, 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 or we think like, man, I gotta, I gotta be in this place before God's gonna see me. Or I gotta, I gotta do one, two, three, four, five, six things, the checklist, before God's gonna use me. And we think that we have to belong, or we think that we have to believe before we belong. But these, these thoughts 
I think, I think to some degree, maybe some, most of us have had these. I know I have, where I think that I need to do something to get it. But these thoughts and this narrative that I think oftentimes is kind of rambling around in our own heads is, is the opposite of what grace sounds like. And we look back at this story in Matthew that we read at the beginning. The disciples, uh, they just witnessed Jesus perform this miracle, uh, feeding 5,000 uh, plus people with, with basically nothing, right? And, and the disciples get sent across the sea, and, and it gets windy, it gets rough. Uh, there's a storm that happens, and, and Jesus comes walking out onto the water towards the boat. The disciples are like, ah, what is that? And Jesus is like, hey, guys, chill. It, it's me. Don't be afraid. And, and, and Peter's like, whoa, it's Jesus. And he's like, in this moment, he's like, I'm going to prove something to these guys. I'm going to, I'm standing in these, I can, Pete, Jesus, pick me, pick me. Let me, let me, I want to prove something to these guys. I want to prove something to you too. Jesus, and, and Jesus calls Peter out of the water. And Jesus is like, come on, come on, Peter. And Peter's like, whoa, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove this. I'm going to prove that I can do good. And he steps out onto the water. He's like, whoa. Like he's walking on, on water. Like people don't do this. Okay, this isn't normal. Like we don't walk on water. We don't have the technology yet. Um, <laughs> and, and Peter steps out on this boat. And there's this, like if you look at this scene, you look at this scene, and you understand that, like, like Peter is seeing tangible, physical Jesus standing on water while he's standing on water. Like, he's in a moment where it's like, this is a miracle in front of my eyes. How could I ever doubt? How could I ever go back in this moment? And what does Peter do? He, he starts to think, this isn't normal. Like, I'm walking on water. And he starts to look around. He's like, this is insane. And he, and he takes his eyes off of Jesus. And he begins to sink. He cries out, Lord, help me. And immediately Jesus, in his, in his mercy, just grabs Peter right away. Right? He says, Peter, why did, you, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt me? And they get back into the boat. And, and Peter is sitting there in the boat, and he's soaked to the bone. He's soaking wet in this failure. He just doubted Jesus. And he's probably think, sitting, sitting there thinking like, man, like, how did I, how did I go back to that? How did I, oh, I doubted again. Like, how did I, why did I go back? And he's sitting there just sopping wet inside this boat, just covered in, in failure, covered in doubt. And he's sitting there. And I think in this moment, like, this is what I would think would happen and be like, the other disciples would gather around and be like, man, Peter, that's embarrassing. Like, you had Jesus right in front of you, meters away. And, and when we just witnessed Jesus perform a pretty crazy miracle, like you would think that by now you would start to trust him. And, and on, on top of that, human, you, Peter, were walking on water. Why did you, how did you mess that up? Here, Peter, here's a towel. Here, dry off, man. Like, look at you. Like, draw, dude, that's embarrassing. And, and, and what happens instead? What happens, the response to the disciples and, and Peter is completely different than what I would expect. And they begin enjoying Jesus. 
they begin to actually worship Jesus. They begin to actually just lift him up and they start to look at Jesus instead of soaking failure, like covered in shame, Peter, right? Like he's just drenched and they begin to worship. They didn't even notice Peter. And, uh, and they land and immediately people start to recognize them and, and Peter's not even dry at this point, okay? He's still in his wet clothes and, and these people are coming to Jesus and now Peter, while he's in his wet clothes, is facilitating long lines of prayer for Jesus. And here's my point, here's my point. We've been taught, I think often in Christian circles, we've been taught that we need to dry off that you need, to, you need to get right before you do that. You need, oh, dude, you need to get on your hands and knees and begin to just pray before you can, you need to dry off before you can serve. We need to be dry before God can use me. And we think, man, I, I, need, I need to be dry before God can see me as useful. Because we don't, we don't want wet people coming into church. Like, have you ever sat in a seat where someone was like, like, have you ever sat on a wet bench? It's the worst. Like, someone's wet. Oh, it's disgusting. Like, someone wet was sitting here. We don't want that in church. We don't want you door greeting while you're dripping wet. We especially don't want a worship leader up here that's, that's dripping all over the instruments and getting water in the monitors. And we especially don't want a wet preacher. Right? But that's not the sound of grace. The sound of grace is come as you are. Whether you're soaking wet, whether you're covered in mud, come as you are. Whether you're wearing the fancy church pants, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That doesn't mean stay where you are. Come as you are doesn't mean Stay where you are. Because Jesus called Peter out of the boat knowing he would fail. First of all, he knew he would fail, but he didn't call him out to embarrass him. He didn't call him out to make him feel bad. He didn't call him out to like say, hey, look at Peter. He's an idiot. Like he thought he could walk on water, but whoop, see, he sank. Like he didn't call him out on the water to, to trick Peter. He actually called him out because he wanted to show him something that he couldn't have seen in his comfort zone of his little boat right? He called him out to, to cause him to, to change his thinking and to change him and to cause him to grow because Jesus is going to call us. He's going to call you. He's calling you. He's, he's called you, right? You missed his call, but he's going to call again, right? He's calling you and he's not calling you to stay the same. He's calling you out of your comfort zone. He's calling you to growth. He's calling you to change. Grace isn't an excuse to sin. I'm wrapping this up really quick here. Grace is not an excuse to sin. Okay, sometimes we get in this mentality, well, if there's lots of grace, I can sin lots, right? Because grace has covered me, right? No. Peter actually, or, uh, let's go through the whole Bible of name. Paul addressed this in Romans 6-1. That's not the point of grace. It's not a, a free pass to sin. It's actually grace. What it is, it's, it's a motivation changer. It changes your motivation from while you're walking down that road covered in, in mud and you're walking home. You're like, man, 
God's going to, he's going to beat me. <laughs> like, he's going to be so mad. He just, just bought, these are his favorite church pants. These are his favorite, this is his favorite haircut, and I messed it all up. And we think, we, it changes our motivation from thinking that God's angry with us and that there's like a fear. It's like a fear-based mentality to love. To seeing how good God is, how could I go back? That's what grace does for us. Can I ask you to, to bow your heads and close your eyes with me? The personification of grace satisfied the justice of God. Jesus satisfied. He paid the full price. It wasn't like a layaway pl plan where he had to come back and, and pay a little bit more each time. He paid the full price so that you and I could enter into his righteousness. Placing us in a position that we didn't earn, we didn't work for, we didn't do anything good to get there. We are there simply because of his love and our accept, acceptance of that love. So what I want to ask this morning, maybe you, uh, we, want, we just want to give an opportunity. Maybe you're here and you feel like, man, I've never experienced the grace of God in my life. Man, I've never experienced that love. And this morning, I want to ask you if you'd be brave, if you'd be brave and say that, man, I've, I've never been a part of that family. I've never been a part of that family of God. I've never experienced his grace. I feel like I'm covered in mud. I feel like I am soaked to the bone in failure. I feel like I'm soaked to the bone in sin. And this morning, God wants to dip you into his grace so that you're not covered from head to toe in sin and failure, but you're covered from head to toe in his grace. And this morning, I just want to ask if there's anybody in this room we just want to give an opportunity for a response that, that you would say, I've never experienced his grace. I've never made that decision to follow Jesus. And this morning, I want to make that decision. And I want God to change my life this morning. And if you're here, I just want to ask, just nobody looking around. This is just a moment between you and God. If you just, just pop your hand up. And we just want to pray with you. Just pop your hand up. You never made a decision to follow Jesus and you, you want to experience that grace this morning. We're just going to wait a minute. You've never made that decision. Just pop your hand up really quick. And maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like, man, you feel like Peter. Maybe you, you've been following God, but you feel like, man, I need to prove something to God. I feel like I've been trying to prove something to him. I feel like I've been trying to buy his grace. And this morning, I want to give you guys an opportunity just to respond to this message this morning. And, and when, Peter, when Peter fell into failure, when he sank, his response wasn't, woe is me. It was worship. It was worship. He was worshiping soaked. And it doesn't mean that God is excusing the sin, but he's saying, hey, come as you are. Whatever you're dealing with this morning, come as you are. Wherever you're at in your life right now, come as you are. And would you stand with me this morning? We're just gonna enter into a time of just worship. And this morning, I just encourage you just to stay in the atmosphere. And if you want to, if you're comfortable, just begin to lift your hands to heaven and begin to ask him, man,
Whatever's going on in your life, his grace has covered it. His grace has covered you. Whatever mistakes you've made this past week, whatever mistakes you've been holding on to this, your whole life, whatever mud you're covered in, God wants to fix it today. He wants to take it and take you, and he wants to put you in his grace. He wants to take you from a position of striving to a position where we just start to begin to walk in it. We just begin to walk in his love. We begin to walk in his grace. And so this morning, would you just join me in, in worshiping the King of Kings, the God who came to save, no matter where you are, where you've been, whatever you're going through, this morning, his grace has covered it.